December 12, 2022. This morning's class and classes throughout the week are dedicated in loving memory of Audrey Levy, Alea Shalom Hana Bat Rachel by the Levy family. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Pedaled Amud Bet. We're beginning the 10th Perek, Perek Eluhen Hanechenakim. This Perek will deal with the last of the four death penalties, Sekila, Serefa, Hereg, Vahenek. Now, according to as we saw in the Mishnah earlier in the Masechet and Daf Memtet, it's mahlok between Hachamim and Rabbi Shimon. We're following the opinion of Hachamim that the least severe of those four mitot betin is Henek, and as a result, this is listed last in terms of the Pirakim. Of course, the last Perek was Nisrafim. We dealt with Serefa and Hereg over there, and now we're up to dealing with the last of death penalties, that's Henek. Now, we're not going to describe how to do Henek. We did that as well earlier in the Masechet, in the Dafnun Bet zone. We're rather going to deal with circumstances, situations where a person would get Henek. There is one note to be made about the ordering of this Perek. If you were to look in a standard Mishnayot, not Gemara, but Mishnayot, this Perek, Eluhen HaNechenakin, is actually the last Perek, the last chapter of Masechet Sanhedrin. And Perek Helek, which we have as the 11th chapter, is really the 10th chapter. It's in Mishnayot, in Gemara. For some reason, it was changed. Now, it makes sense. In the Gemara, you went from dealing with the death penalties. You dealt with Serefa and Hereg last. And now you would segue into Henek. Why would it be in the Mishnayot? The ordering was different. And in truth, anyone who's learned Masechet Makot and Afbet Amudal, if the Gemara over there makes clear that the Mishnah, the beginning of Masechet Makot, which of course is the next Masechet after Sanhedrin, is really following this Mishnah, the Mishnah at the beginning of our chapter, which is the 10th Perek, which is a little strange. The Gemara there is clear that they're dealing with a different order. Their order went, what we have for 10 was 11, what we have for 11 is 10. Ran Rabbeinu Nisim suggests the reason that Perek Helek was perhaps injected in as the 10th and then flipped afterwards is because the last halachot we dealt with in the 9th Perek, if you recall, were situations where Bedin isn't per se putting the person to death, but the egregious nature of the sin, it's a terrible sin, it's kanayin pogimbo, we allow for others to do to that person, so to speak, what should be done, well, that would lead you into a conversation about Olam Haba, which is what we have as the last pair. They're dealing with egregious acts which we don't see meted out in this world. And that's why perhaps in the Mishnayot suggests Rana Ben Unisim, the 11th Perek was really in place of the 10th Perek. He actually quotes, if I'm not mistaken, from Ramban Nachmani, something startling as well. He says that maybe furthermore, those cases, the beginning of the 11th Perek, of Perek Helek, where the Mishnah tells us, these are the people who don't get a portion of the world to come. It has ramifications in this world as well. It's following that last Mishnah, it's telling you, if you see a person who's doing any of those things, add them to the list of situations. If you're a zealot, you're allowed to kill them. We don't, uh, generally speaking, have that as a mainstream opinion. But anyway, either way you slice it and discuss this matter, we have it as the 10th Perek in Masechet Sanhedrin. And with that, we begin the, this first Mishnah of the Perek. Eluhin HaNechenakin, the following says the Mishnah, is a list of cases where, if we're to look in the Pesukim in the Torah, we'd be able to derive that the death penalty for doing any of these actions is henek, is strangulation. The first in the list is if a person strikes their father or mother. It doesn't mean that you struck both your father and mother. 
It means your father or mother. Of course, the Gemara will discuss what does it mean to strike them. Does it mean, well, I mean, you could imagine anything. Does it mean anything from the extreme of you have to kill them in order, in order to be put to death for doing so? Or does it mean you just struck them and didn't really affect anything physically? And those are two extremes. The Gemara will settle on something in the middle. It's asabu habura. It has to be that you cause them some sort of bruise like a black and blue mark even. Says the Mishnah onward, v'gonev nefesh mi Yisrael, we'll deal with the details of that, but that's a reference to kidnapping. It's not just kidnapping, it's furthermore enslaving them and so forth, but that's the next of the cases where a person would be put to death and enslave them and then sold them afterwards, the Gemara will make clear for us. V'zakin mamre al pi betin. And the third on this list is the Zakin Mamre. Zakin Mamre, that Lashon of Mamre, Rashi cites from the Pasuk and Sefer Devarim, of Mamrim Heitem Im Adonai. To be Mamre means to be rebellious. So here's a circumstance of a person who's a Zakin, he's a scholar, but he's, he's knowledgeable in Torah, but he's purposefully defying the orders, the uh, Halakha, as set, as set forth by Sanhedrin by the Beit Din Hagadol from the Shkata Gazit. So you have the high, uh, called Supreme Court of Judaism, uh, the Beit Din of 71, and they have a decree in specific circumstances, the Halakha is X, and you have a Zakin Mamre who's defiant, and he's uh, defiantly uh, acting differently. That's another case where a person will be put to death by Henek. Of course, the Gemara will derive all this from Pesukim. Venavi HaSheker, the fourth on the list, is a false prophet. We'll deal with the details of such as well. Avodat Kochavim. And even if the prophecy is a true prophecy, but the person is reporting it in the name of Avodazara, that's the fifth on our list of the person who would be put to death by Henek for doing such a terrible thing. Vehaba al Eshet Ish. And the sixth is if a person has relations with a married woman, uh, we'll deal a little bit, but we've dealt a lot with that in Masechet Sanhedrin. And lastly, bat kohen we'll define those words in just a moment, but it's because of those last words that I mentioned to you that the Gemara at the beginning of Masechet Makot says that the first Mishnah in Makot is really a continuation of those words. If you see the word zomeme, we know those words from the first Perek in Masechet Makot. That's the, uh, the, the punishment of the Torah, ka'asher zamam la'asot la'ahid. But anyway, what's the case specifically? Well, zomimeh, I think we know already. It's lo ka'asher zamam la'asot la'ahid. They're false conspiring witnesses. And they testify, for argument's sake, in our circumstance, they testified about, well, for, before our circumstance, they testify about anyone, in any circumstance, but they're false conspiring witnesses. And they're found under specific circumstances and ways to be false conspiring witnesses. Two other witnesses come and say, you couldn't have observed that guy being Mehalel Shabbat. You were with us on Shabbat the entire day, far away. You weren't able to get there on Shabbat. In such a circumstance, we do to them that which they conspire to do to the other. They were trying to say the person with Mehalel Shabbat, he's deservant of the highest of severity in terms of death penalty, Sikila. We do to them Sikila as they try to do to the other person. That's Ka'asher Zaman. There are notable exceptions. The first Mishnah Masech Makot talks about two notable exceptions. This is the first on the list, and the first one goes like this. There's several other factors in place, most of which we already are familiar with. There's Bat Kohen, the Torah Parashat Emor. We've discussed this pasuk 
on numerous occasions in Masechet Sanhedrin, Ubat Ish Kohen Ki Tehel is not. If a daughter of a Kohen has illicit relations, now specifically, she's Nisua, she's married already, she's not just engaged. If she were just engaged, she gets the highest of severity of death penalties, and that is Sekilah, that the Torah tells us elsewhere. Instead, as Rashi points out in our Mishnah over here, she's Nisua, she's already married. Now, a normal, regular, standard case of Nisua, who has illicit relations with someone else, we saw just a moment ago, is Baal Eshetish, both the Bo'el and the Niv'elit, both the man and the woman, get put to death by Henek. However, if she's a Bat Ish Kohen, Etaviyahin Halelit, she has a higher standard, she's bringing forth Hilul, she's publicly profane the Kehuna, and as a result, she's put to death with Serefa by Eshti Saref, the Torah tells us. Okay, so we have several things at place. At play. Number one, we have Number two, we have they're, they're conspiring to put this woman to death by Serefa. We'd imagine then that the death penalty for these false conspiring witnesses, what we call Edim Zomimin, would be Serefa. They're trying to put this woman to death by Serefa, saying that she has illicit relations while she's in a state, she's a bat kohen, that she would get serifa, we'd imagine they get that as well. The Torah, according to the understanding of the Hachamim, will get the Pasuk and Davtsadi, tells us it's not so. The Pasuk says, Le'ahiv is masculine, you do to them that which they conspired to do to the male party. Well, there were two parties in this illicit act. There was the male and there was the female. The woman, who's a bat ish kohen, she gets put to death by serefa. The man, if he actually has these relations, gets put to death with henek strangulation. It's a standard case of illicit relations. As a result, piecing everything together, edim zomimim, sheheidu, who testified about a bat ish kohen, they don't get the punishment they conspired to give her, Rather, the punishment they conspired to give the man who they lied had relations with her, and that's mitat henek. That's what we have reported here in the Mishnah. That's what those words mean. Zomme bat kohen means they're false conspiring witnesses about a bat kohen. And additionally, even though she, that woman who did wrong, if she actually did so, would be put to death by serifa, by burning. Um, the man, the Bo'ala, gets put to death with Henek. Rashi as well cites the Pasuk for this, and that's Etaviyah She's the one who profaned the Kehuna in a very real way, not him, he, Velohu. All right, that's what we have in terms of our Mishnah. Of course, we'll have opportunity to return to these halachot and discuss them at greater length, but we're going to really focus in our Gemara for today and for a little bit on the first halacha mentioned in the Mishnah, and that is Makeh Aviv Imo. So again, our Mishnah, just summarizing it in a sentence, talks about the death penalty of Hanik, of being put to death by strangulation. And the first on our several seven, eight cases is a situation of Makeh Aviv Imo. The Gemara will immediately deal with the details of that. What does it mean to be Makeh Aviv Imo? We very often in Hebrew do a vav, which is not mehabem. So we mean makeh aviv o imo. We say ve imo. That's just the way it works. Makeh aviv ve imo minalan. Minalan means where do you derive that uh, first and foremost, you get put to death with chenek. Before we deal with what it means to be makeh, what is the definition of that? Where does the Torah tell me that a person who strikes his parents, either his father or his mother, gets put to death with chenek? Dichtiv, as the pasuk says, makeh aviv imo. 
motiumat, basuk says, if a person strikes his mother or father, they get, they will surely be put to death. Well, how do you know that means chenek? Says the Gemara, vekol, says the Beraita, vekol, I assume, vekol mitaha amura batora setam ena ela chenek. And any setam, any circumstance where it's just blankly, without details, tell the Torah tells you, you get put to death, it's called chenek. It's nothing more and nothing less. The mitah is chenek. Who said, kol mitaha amura batora is chenek? And maybe uh, it's talking about something else. We really, we saw these words earlier in the Gemara Masech, in Sanhedrin, and Dafnun Bet. There was a mahloket over there about why any time the Torah uses just motyumat, we know, oh, code words, that means chenek. Of course, the details are not so relevant, but I'll quickly mention them to you. It was a mahloka between a Bioshia and a Bionatan, if I'm not mistaken, about whether if the reasoning goes like this. On the one hand, if we're to, if we're to go through the order of severities of death penalties, Sekila, Serefa, Herig, and then lastly, a Hanix. So and now the Torah tells me, hey, you put him to death. You're going to decide it's one of the higher level punishments. Uh, the, very, the very most you can do is the least severe of the death penalties. And as a result, it's Hanix. The Torah tells you, get put to death if you did this, it means, well, I don't know, it could be sikila, it could be serifa, but I'm just going to go base level. So the idea is, since you can't figure out anymore, don't go more than, than the base level. And that's the way they determined it, according to Rabbi Yoshia. Alternatively, Rabbi Yonatan, to a certain extent, if I'm not mistaken, defending Rabbi Shimon, because keep in mind, Rabbi Shimon, we'll see his opinion again throughout the Masechet, he maintains that Serifah is not the lowest. Right? He flips the last two. Serifah, Herig, Vahenik, it goes for him. Herig, Vahenik. So as a result, the same Motiumat is because it's the lowest of the severities. According to Rabbi Shimon, it's not so. The Gemara, Rabbi derived it from a Gezerah, Shavaya, rabbinic learning and teaching in order to derive that Setam Mitaha Amura Batorah is Henek. Okay, well, either way, you deal with it, Rabbi Oshiyah, Rabbi the details we dealt with on Dafnun Bet. That's the statement here in the Beraitah. Makia, Avivi, Immo, Motiumat. The Torah says, put to death. What does it mean, put to death? The Gemara on Dafnun Bet told us it means put to death with Henek. Says the Gemara, all right, but who said that the definition of the word Makia in the Pasuk is, as I've been describing it, just strike? Maybe striking means striking and killing. Perhaps the only situation wherein a person be put to death, again, with herig, with, with henik, excuse me, with strangulation, is if they kill their father or mother, with that strike. But if they didn't kill them, well, they don't get put to death. Now, mind you, for a moment, what's that? All right, that's, that's correct. Give, give, give it a second for the Gemara to make that claim. What about with any other person for a moment? What about if any other person is struck, if you were to strike another person, and you did something to them, you did a makashe ena shave peruta, the Gemara in Ketubot and Daflamid Gimal talks about. If you struck them and you're not, you're either you're liable for the financial damage that you did to them. So it's going to be nezek, za'ari, pui, shevet, boshe. You're going to deal with all the financial liability, the consequences of doing so. But what if there weren't? You just you beat them up well, and the person has a lot of black and blue marks. So it's not really going to cause them any medical charge. It's not going to miss work and so forth. You would, the person who would do so would get lashed. They'd get malkot. Pasuk says in the Torah, lo yosif, pen yosif. The Torah says you're not allowed to give more than the situations where the Torah says you give them lashes. So again, effectively what we're saying over here is, even though in general if you were to strike another person, you're punished for it. When it comes to your parents, you're punished 
more severely get put to death with for doing so. That's that's the needs to be made clear at the onset of this. But then you have Charlie's question. Charlie says the question over here is if you were to strike your parents, and the suggestion is until you actually killed them, then it's no different than another person. Not only is it not different than killing another person, but if you remember the death penalty for striking another person is more severe. The death penalty for striking another any person really is hitting, which we're understanding to be a higher severity. Would you imagine then that goes like this? If you were to strike a person and kill them, you get put to death. Higher level severity. Hitting. Saif is what we call it. You get beheaded. If you struck one of your parents and told us, oh, here it's a little less severe. A little less severe doesn't make any sense. Of course, the Gemara says that renders for us an understanding that we're not talking about killing your parents. We're talking about even if you didn't, even if you, quote, just struck them. Terrible to do. Nobody wants you doing that, but that's what we're talking about. Says the Gemara, does, is it, did it rise in your mind to think you killed one person, meaning any person other than your parents, you get put to death with Saif, and you'd get put to death by killing your parents in a lower severity, that of Hanek. Says the Gemara, okay, I mean, I do need to figure this out still because this will only be a good claim according to Hachamim. This is all understood according to the standard opinion, that of the Hachamim, that Hanek is the lowest in terms of severities. So I can make this logical argument that it doesn't mean you struck your parents and killed them because ah, it doesn't make sense. You get the lower severity. But what about according to the Bishimon, according to the Bishimon, strangulation is higher than Saif, than beheading. And then maybe it does make sense. So the Torah, according to the Bishimon, could be telling us that, listen, if you were to strike any person, you get the lower severity of death penalty. It's terrible to strike them and kill them, well, we're going to give you in such a circumstance headache. You've struck one of your parents and killed them. Higher headache, you're going to get the higher level, that is headache. Rather, says the Gemara, here's the reason. Here's how we know that if it's we're not talking about we're not talking about until you actually brought forth their death. Vayamot. The Pasuk says in two places in the Torah, in two places in the Torah, it says that, and you struck him and he dies, and you struck him and you killed him. Ah, so the Torah doesn't just use the Lashon, the wording of he struck him and assume you know means he killed him. It means the only time we're talking about when you struck and killed is when we're explicit about that. The Torah says, and he struck him and killed him. Here's the punishment. If he struck him and killed him, here's the consequences. If it just says, it doesn't say, vamet, and the parent died. It's telling me, I can derive from this, anytime you just talk about striking in the Torah, hitting in the Torah, it's not talking about actually killing them. And nonetheless, the Torah is telling us that if a person were to strike one of their parents and not kill them, because the Torah does not say, nonetheless, the person gets put to death for doing so. Yes? Certainly. Certainly. All in place. Can the parents uh, exonerate their, their child? No. What? No, 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 no. We're talking about they're not killed. No, no, quite the opposite. If they're dead. No, they can't exonerate. The Gemara will later on, we might get to it today, we might not, the Gemara will talk about if the child is acting as the doctor to their parent. 
And in such a circumstance, we'll be a little bit nervous, but they're going to be, for purposeful reasons, giving them a habura. They're going to be drawing blood. Can the parents in such a situation, first of all, is it permitted? And let's say it's not. Let's say there's going to be potential side, you know, the person is, drawing, is, is just doing a routine medical examination, but it turns out that very often, or once in a while, Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So, you know, saying it's, it's less practical anyway. But nonetheless, over there, with permission, according to most post scheme, it's permitted. In other words, you're not purposefully giving it to them. And it's not for the med- medicine, because it's for the medicine, that's certainly permitted. But it's as a result of the med- medical thing. We'd like to keep you away from the Gemara. I will say two of the rabbis told their, their children, don't take the splinter out. I'm nervous about it. But if they gave them permission, that's the way the post scheme say. No death penalty, yeah, 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 no, it's not in there. I mean, in a crazy way, even though it's coming to defend their honor, of course, I mean, you could kind of understand this because death penalty, even when killing a human being, is not only, although it certainly is, uh, because of the defense of the human being. It's also because of the Tzalem Elohim. It's also a certain honor of God. I mean, keep in mind, when a person blasphemes, a person curses another with God's name, it's not something, they didn't use God's name, they're not put to death. Because we're dealing with, in all these situations, according to my understanding, both a hilu to the human being and to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yes. Yes. Is, is it saying that because we have two places that it's a now we're excluding Yes, yes. The fact that the Torah specifically and explicitly in two cases says it was a haka'ah with death tells you only there, whereas in general, haka'ah, setam, is not without mita. Says the Gemara, "V'itzdirich lemichtav." And the truth is, we need two cases, and it's not even those two pesukim. Interestingly, uh, Teddy, it's only one of them. Make ish v'itzdirich lemichtav kol make nefesh. That pasuk kol make nefesh is actually in Sefer B'midbar. Uh, but we have two pesukim which talk about separately. Not only the two that we had earlier, make ish v'amet is the first one we're citing. Or be'evahika is not what we're citing. We're citing another pasuk kol make nefesh. But anyway, the Torah, the Torah has at least in two cases. We're understanding even in three cases, the Torah has leshonot, has words that talk about a murder situation and the death penalty that's uh, as, as a result of that. So as the Gemara, you should know, we needed to at least mention these two pesukim because they teach me details and halachot that each one independently would not teach me. How so? Di'ikatav. Saif. It, it, that, that was the claim of, that was the initial claim of the Gemara. The Gemara says, if anything, it's going to be the same. But we know the Torah says, Mot yumat, so we know it means Hanik. So you're going to tell us that now I have to compare that. I know that's what, that we already have a Pasuk that says Mot yumat, which we define as... If we didn't have that pasuk, of course we would. And, and as a result, we're suggesting again that in the context of Aviv it's without death. Anyway, says the Gemara, the Ikatav Rahmanama Ke'ish Vamet, the Torah just said, and if a person strikes another man, keep in mind, it doesn't say Make Vamet, it says Make Ish. That extra word Ish is teaching me seemingly we're dealing with a grown man. Maybe the only time you get put to death is Hava Amina Ish, Debar Misva in Katan Lo. And perhaps when the Torah says Make Ish, I would have said only if you struck another grown man. He's a bar mitzvot. He's already grown into Torah mitzvot. He's above the age of 13. If he's not, well, maybe you're not liable for death penalty. You shouldn't have done it. It's terrible. But maybe it's not a death penalty. Certainly, certainly a murderer still. But maybe it's not death penalty. Katav Rahmana, kol Make Nefesh. That's what the Torah says. 
any striking of a, of a soul, which means to say even a child. So why did the Torah just have leave out that pasuk of makeish? It's only confusing us. It's making us believe that if it's a child, oh, maybe it should have just said kol hava amina afilu nifalim afilu ben shimona sirichet period. Says the Gemara, you would have thought had we just had that pasuk of kol uh, that in one of two or in both of these two cases you would be liable to death penalty. The first is nefil. Nefil is a circumstance where it's determined medically the child will die in a short period after being born. Uh, what's examples? Rashi gives two examples if a child has a deformity in terms of their face, and you look at the face, it's a tomb, it's in a state that it's closed in some way, they're not easily breathing, and such as a nefil. So in certain circumstances, you kill, still can't, can't kill the child. If you were to do so, if it's a nefil, uh, you're not put to death for doing so. There's no, um, there's no mitat betin for doing so. Rashi mentions, or it has two gavim, and has two types of backs, and two types of spinal cords of some sort, and that's that first case. The second case is if the child was born in the eighth month, Gemara Masechet Yevamot distinguishes between born ninth month in a full full term or born in seventh month. There they understand it as being a healthy birth. If it's born in eighth month, once upon a time, the understanding was it's not going to be a healthy birth. As a result, there's no death penalty for killing the child. Uh, it's not to say that you could or should be doing so, but if you did so, you're not put to death. I would have thought that even in those cases, you get put to death. That's why the Torah says, Makeish. In other words, we built borders and boundaries over here and guidelines. On the one hand, Nefesh teaches me even a child. On the other hand, Ish teaches me that it's not if it's a Nefil, not if it's a Ben Shemunayamim. Says the Gemara, Ve'ema, Afalgav, back to the conversation of Avivimo, Ve'ema, Afalgav. Uh, but if the pasuk in the Torah says uh, who said that you need to bruise them? Maybe I should suggest uh, it's not death penalty. It's not, it's not that you put them to death. That's one extreme. But maybe it's the opposite extreme. You just struck them. You've just struck them, even though you didn't do a habura. Again, the definition of habura is what we define, what we'd call today. Uh, uh, black and blue mark. It means there was a collection of blood underneath their skin. It doesn't mean that blood per se came out even a collection of blood underneath their skin, uh, that would be liable for a death penalty specifically over there. Well, maybe not. Maybe you don't need that. Alama tenan. Why does the Mishnah right here on the Peheh teach us that Mishnah teaches us explicitly the only time a person is liable for Hanik for Makiyavivimos if he does a habura to them. If he didn't, not, uh, nobody should be doing so, but if he didn't, uh, he's not liable for death penalty. Who said? Pasuk in the Torah just says Makiyav. Who told you Makiyav means habura? Amar kera Adam we turn to a very famous Hekesh in the Pasuk. Pasuk says in Sefer Vayikra, It's a strange conjugation, a strange uh, juxtaposition in the Pasuk. It mentions uh, killing an animal, and then shortly afterwards it mentions killing a human being. Ah, we'd like to imagine, well, this is, I know we all love animals, but there's a major difference between human beings and animals. Why would the Torah put the two in the same Pasuk? Oh, perhaps the reason the Torah is putting them two in the same Pasuk. Either way we go on this, it's not just to place them in the same Pasuk. The Gemara has an understanding. It's to teach you a halakha. It's not just to teach you animal rights. It's to teach you much more than that. It's not, not at all. The point is to teach you a halakha. What's the halakha I'm going to derive from likening 
the killing uh, or, or rather the striking of a human being to striking of an animal says the Gemara it's to teach you the following the same way that when you struck if a person were to strike an animal it's specifically when they do a habura to it as they understand specifically when you bruise the animal that you'd be punished for doing so why so? because the Torah mentions the animal with the word nefesh we have kiadam hua nefesh needs to be a certain drawing of blood in order to be liable for hitting the animal so too says the Gemara that's what the Hekesh teaches me that the only time I'll be liable the full severity of death or striking a human being is until you actually struck them and brought forth blood even if it's underneath the skin so let me just catch you up to date over here in the Gemara again the Gemara set for us our extremes and caught us up in the middle it's not when the Torah says that you brought forth their death we understood that's not that that way we, we, we made a derasha from Pesukim the Torah makes clear is not with killing. Uh, it's not, furthermore, the Mishnah made clear to us that you just hit them. Just hit them. Nobody should be doing so. But if you didn't make a habura, you're not being put to death with henik. It's specifically ad-avid habura until you bruise them. Uh, says the Gemara, how do you know that? So that's what we just cited a pasuk. It's called the hekesh. The pasuk in the Torah mentions striking an animal and then it mentions striking a human being to tell you they're similar. The same way striking an animal is only once you bruise them. How do you know that? Because the Torah uses the word nefesh by an animal. Nefesh makes us understand is blood that's let through in some way, brought out in some way, so too when striking an adult, uh, a, a human being and bringing forth death penalty for it, it's Ad-David Behabura. Says Gemara Matkifla Rav Yirmiya, Ela me'ata hikhisha ba'avanim hachen ha'med ela me'chayev? Oh, wait a second, I, I, don't, I don't really understand your, your point over here. Is that really so? The only time if I, Lo'alenu, came to your property and saw your animal and I decide to just throw some rocks at it and I don't bruise it, I'm not liable for anything. Heck yeah, I could just beat up your animal as long as I make sure not to bring forth any blood. I mean, that's just the Gemara. It's, it's what's called an ad absurdum argument. It just doesn't seem right to us. When you're dealing with a human being and being put to death, I understand. You're not going to be put to death until you did something severe. But when you deal with property, it's property of the human being. It's an animal. You're telling me only when you let blood in some way or fashion? Who said so? If you just uh, took away from its energy with, with rocks, with stones, are you telling me you wouldn't be liable? The answer, of course, is it's not so. Uh, so if that's the case, and so now you can't like and say, well, the same way by an animal, it's not so. By an animal, it's even without the habura, in which case, I should turn you back to Aviv I should say, who said that it's only when you bruise the parent that you're liable for death? Rather, says the Gemara, im eno inyan lenefesh behema. Rather, when the pasuk in the Torah talks about nefesh behema, and we understand in turn that it's only and specifically, excuse me, it's under all circumstances that you'll be liable, not only when you made a habura. So why is it that the Torah mentions that lashon of nefesh in the context of makeh behema? It's seemingly telling us only when there's blood that's taken. 
we should understand in the context of parents, context of human beings, that it's only when blood is let out in some way that you'd be liable to death penalty. When, when all, is, all is settled, then the Gemara is suggesting for us, it's we're making a derashah from the fact that, ironically, the Torah used the word nefesh by behemah, it teaches us by human beings that it's ad-avid behabura. Of course, the Gemara now questions, all right, so that's an interesting derashah to say the least, but now I'm left with the hekesh. We were, we were working until now with an understanding. Since the Torah mentions animals and human beings together, it teaches me halakha. What's the halakha until you did a habura? He says, it's not so. Because by animals, you don't need to bruise them in order to be liable. So why does the Torah mention nefesh by an animal to teach you halakha about human beings? But now I'm left with the pasuk. The pasuk mentions animals and human beings together. What does that teach me? I don't, you don't, you're not going to tell me to do a bruise, that's false, you don't need to bruise the animal in order to be liable, and you don't need the pasuk to teach me it by human beings, because I know from nefesh, you may know ainyan, says the... the No. No, but you have to pay. You shall let me That's the Torah's lasho. But again, the lashon of the Torah, I understand, umake behema yishal lemena, umake adam yuma. We're understanding Adam as not killing and being put to death. That's got to be a reference to the parents. What's the case? So maybe it's talking about without a bruise. It can't be without a bruise. How do you know? So that's the nefesh that's written by animals. But that being the case, then why am I mentioning the two in the same pasuk? They're so different. One you're paying, one you're being put to death for. What do they have to do with the other? So as the Gemara, it has to do with an altogether different halakha. It's a halakha we know from Masechet Bava Kaman, Daf Lamedev, we know from Masechet Ketubot, Ela Hekesha, La Mali, Lechtetanya, Devech Hezkiah, period. So as the Gemara, the reason we have this Hekesh is to teach you the fundamental foundational law of Devech Hezkiah, the Bet Midrash of Hezkiah. Here's the halakha again. Uh, just very briefly to summarize what we've done in our Gemara before we conclude with understanding this Halakha of Devech Hizkiah, which will be briefly addressed here in our Gemara. Uh, it goes like this. We had in our Mishnah the, follow- the several cases of Hanek. We dealt with in the Gemara specifically the case of Makia Aviv Imo. The Gemara initially dealt with what's the sourcing for it at all, uh, that they get Hanek, and the answer is Motumat. Any place where the Torah says motumat is talking about chenek, uh, said the Gemara, who said that makia vivimo is defined as without putting to death the parents, and the Gemara had derashot. Who said it means that it's that you did a habura, that you did a bruise, and you didn't just to strike them? The Gemara has a derashot. Now we're just left with, because of that long conversation, this pasuk in the Torah, where we juxtaposed, where we had a hekesh between striking an animal and paying for it, striking a human being and paying with your life for doing so. Uh, what's that hekesh all about? Says the Gemara, it has to do with an altogether different halakha, and it's called tanadeve hezkiah. That's the key, uh, the code words for it. It goes like this. We know, and we've talked about it several times, Masechet Sanhedrin, the Gemara, excuse me, the Mishnah, and Masechet Ketubot on Daflamidvav, learns it from Pasuk, Pesukim, and Parashat Mishpatim, the concept known as Kimle or Kamle Bidrabamine, which means the following. If two uh, people, for example, are fighting one with the other, and one, Lo Aleno, kills the other, and such a circumstance, of course, they're put to death. They don't additionally pay for the dry cleaning bills of messing up the person's suit or shirt. Why not? The answer is the Torah, in context, teaches us that you only get the higher of the death pen, the higher of the punishment, not the lower 
Kabbalah as well. We're not going to double punish you if it was uh, incurred in the same moment. You're only going to give you the higher of the two liabilities. All right, that's a case where I purposefully fought with a person and killed them. What if I did it accidentally? All sorts of accidental cases. What if I didn't get a warning, Jeff? I didn't get a warning. So it's, uh, I, it's not Berason per se. It's not, uh, it's not Bemezid. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? Do we say, well, uh, you're going to be punished, run to a be, uh, to Ir Miklat. You're going to have to, uh, you're going to get a different type of penalty, but it's not going to be death penalty because you didn't do it purposefully. So therefore, do you have to pay? That's the derasha over here. That's what this hekesh is here for. The same way with an animal, it's under all circumstances. We don't distinguish between mezid and shogig. If I'm uh, pulling into a parking spot and I accidentally struck your car, I said, but it was an accident. We'd really, uh, my life would be a lot easier if I could get out of all the uh, damages I've done to other people's cars. If I could say it's an accident. Uh, I'm, all my driving is an accident. Maybe I'm not liable and such. No, I'm liable under all circumstances. Uh, damages is under all circumstances liable. So too, the concept of kamleb derabamine, of damaging another person and getting the higher of the two penalties because you had two penalties is under all circumstances. That's what Tanad Vechizkiah is. Tanad Vechizkiah is the same way by an animal we don't distinguish between shogeg and mezid, so too by human beings in terms of this halakha, of getting the higher of the two punishments, we don't distinguish. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara, this happens to be a about whether to accept this derasha of According to Reish Lakish, it's true, whether b'shogeg or b'mezid, you don't pay if you put the other person to death. Uh, but according to Biohanan, he disagrees with it. So then what's the hekesh for? patur Says the Gemara, and this is what I wanted to get to. Those are the lines that I was re- referring to earlier. Same way we understand, the Gemara will tell us how we understand that, and we'll learn that tomorrow, that by an animal, if a person goes to the animal to let blood, you cry, I saw your animal needs a procedure. And as a result of me doing the procedure, in order to cure it, I'm not liable for putting a bruise in your animal because I was curing it. So too by a human being, if it's if a doctor's doing so, a person's doing so for medicinal reasons and thereby bruising the person for the medicinal reasons, their patur. Where are you deriving that? From the hekesh. The same way by an animal, if it's purposeful in order to bring forth uh, medicinal uh, cures of some sort, the Gemara will tell us that we know that you're patur. So too, says the hekesh to us, according to the Biohanan, who rejects Tanad Vechizkiah, you'd be patur if you're makeh aviv Refuah, you wouldn't be liable to death penalty. But I did a bruise, but you did it. Lishem Refuah, you're patu baruch Adonai Amen, amen. Bihanam Shamanasaka, the Shbaruch